Welcome to the Sermon B-Side Podcast, a podcast of Liberty Church in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, a church that desires to live, speak, and serve as the very presence of Jesus in the Harrisburg region. Sermon B-Sides is designed to be a resource to help us deepen the conversation about this week's sermon and answer questions that would be helpful to accomplish our purpose. Well, hey guys, uh, welcome to another episode of Sermon B-Side Podcast. My name is John Robinson. I'm one of the pastors at Liberty Church in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. And, and yeah, joining you today, John, is yes. me. You are not Matt. I'm not Matt. Not Matt. Taller, more handsome, obviously. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. I'll take it. Um, yes, yeah. I am Steve King. I am an elder here at Liberty Church and making my... My debut on the podcast, Absolutely. so thanks for having me in today. Hey, glad to do it. Um, glad that you're here. Matt, is uh, he's out. Uh, he and Cher are actually celebrating their anniversary, so they've gone out, gone out for a couple days. and uh, So Steve's joining us graciously, taking a quick break from his from his arduous job and uh, can join us to talk through some of these things. Steve, a uh, little bit of background about yourself. Like, uh, who are you? Uh, what do you do? Tell us a little bit about about who you are. It's quite an existential question. Who am I? Who are you? Okay. Uh, I'll, I'll probably just... I won't take all 25 minutes of our podcast to answer that question. But it could take 25. It could. Oh, it could take more, I'm sure. Uh, yeah. So I, as many of you know, um, I'm an elder here at Liberty Church and uh, husband to Abby um, and father to four children. And we have been attending Liberty since January of 2012. Um, so have been really excited to, to be part of Liberty and see it really from, from the growth up and have been, mm-hmm. uh, impacted positively, uh, and challenged, um, and sanctified by, uh, the people and the spirit, uh, here at Liberty for many years and yeah. excited to continue that, uh, receiving that work, but also, uh, delivering at times that work, mm-hmm. um, to others and being part of this community. Um, and excited to, to be making my debut in the podcast today, even though, Mainly, it was uh, because Matt's just not here, right? Let's be honest, right? I mean, it's not like I got called in you're, for any other reason. You are, uh, you're, you're, you're filling a, an obvious void that's right. in our, in our yeah, lives right now. That's right. The, the but, door was open, yeah, and I walked through it. That's Well, okay. uh, literally, yeah, literally, that's true. the door was open. That's true. And Steve's like, hey. It, might be, it might be the first of two straight weeks on Hopefully. the podcast. Is that true? Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, Steve's okay. preaching next week, that's and so I think it would be really helpful for us to have him next week. So... You know, maybe maybe one of those like in those radio shows, like the consistent guest that comes in. That's right. We have Steve come in. All of a sudden, I'm hosting. All of a sudden, next week. yeah, okay. by himself. Yeah, it'll be great. Okay. It's gonna it's gonna be exciting. Fair enough. Well, I'm well, I'm excited to to be here. Thanks for having me on, and thanks all for listening to me this week. Absolutely, you're forced right. to. You have no other option. Yeah, it's, it's true. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Hey, Steve, we had a we had a men's retreat this weekend. Yes, it was a it was a really good time. Uh, for those of you guys who were uh, participated in that. Really grateful for you. Uh, the time we had together, I think, was really sweet and um, encouraging. So yeah, just yeah. as it's just as it was encouraging. Hopefully, well, I know it was for me, and I think it was for for many other men that I know. It was encouraging for a lot of the men of our church that the women's retreat a couple weeks ago mm-hmm. was well attended and mm-hmm. was really fruitful, and and the, the the women of the church enjoyed that time together. Um, I think that's. Another, you know, that's an example as to why we can also celebrate that the men's retreat went really well. Absolutely. Uh, not just men celebrating that we 
got a, got a Saturday away and um, <laughs> spent it uh, with each other, but also the, the women of our church. And uh, mm-hmm. I trust the, the children, whether they know it or not, uh, can celebrate uh, the men getting together. Yeah. Uh, we had 60, around 60, right, men yeah. Yeah. Um, gather here yesterday morning for uh, some teaching and time together. And then, oh, not yesterday, but Saturday. And then uh, Saturday, the, the rest of the day, uh, just in fellowship and building a relationship with yeah. each other. And yeah, I really enjoyed it. I, I've yeah. heard from a number of people uh, that have really enjoyed it. They really enjoyed it as well. Uh, that was a great, great time together. Yeah. And really, um, as you mentioned, like the women, women did that. All we did was just do exactly what they did. We stole every idea. Um, I mean, the talks weren't word for word, but I'm sure. I think Abby gave a, a talk. She did. You probably just stole her stuff. I and, I just and, pressed play when I went up there. That was, it was great. The your voice were, your voice sounded a little high. The men were tricked. I tricked was, them all. That was good. That was no, good. that's well, what Abby did. Ask me what we were. Our topic was, and I said discipleship and. Yeah. She kind of just like gave me like the you know the the, the crooked eye crook eye there like yeah. really that's what you're because we just did that so it just seems yeah. like we just rubber stamped the, <laughs> idea, the entire we idea. Women are they're just uh, they're they're more creative than we are. Um, <laughs> they're uh, they have the, all these great ideas. Why reinvent things? There you go. When you can just steal it and take credit for it. We just we just took their idea and added a bonfire <laughs> to it. Is all we did. We right, just exactly. we just do, we just do what men do. We yeah. take a good idea from the women and add a fire. Add, a, add fire. Add yes, a fire. Yes. Okay. Oh, that's good. Um, yeah, hey, we were uh, we were studying uh, this week, continuing in our series of rescuing the rebel, and uh, jumped into Judges chapter ten. You did, uh, yeah. Was able to preach yesterday and um, talking about some minor judges, Steve. We were talking about Tola and Jair, or Jr. or Jair, or. Who knows? <laughs> if you hear either, apparently on this podcast, it's the I same person. probably I right. said it differently throughout. But I don't know if I, I, I don't know if I picked up on that when you were when you were preaching, but maybe you did. Yeah, I don't know. Okay. It, it could have been. Uh, yeah, so minor judges of Israel. Um, it was, uh, you know, one of the one of the fun things about preaching through a book is that you get to you get to passages like this that are um, not ones that we would typically go to, right? I mean. Minor judges, not exactly the ones we have written on our pillows at home, and as I mentioned yesterday, like not the ones we're necessarily naming our children after either. So, right, um, yeah, we're yeah. Not, we would have really taken a day maybe to go preach on uh, judges that account for less than a hundred words right. in scripture, right? Yeah. Um, and I was entertained yesterday when Claire sitting next to me in church. She's, uh, as many of you know, my seven-year-old daughter, the oldest of our children. Uh, right as you began reading the scripture, leaned over and was just so entertaining. Just who's Dodo? <laughs> just like I just asked that shit like with this laugh, yes. kind of like the smirk on her face. Yeah. Knew this was funny. Knew this yeah. was something oh, yeah. to comment on. Like who's Dodo? Yeah. I that was a great. I was like, yeah, she's listening. Dodo. Right, this is great. That's good. That's yeah. good. Yeah, Dodo. Yeah. So it was it was good preaching through that, and and that resulted in uh, some questions. We had some questions come yes. through. Um, first question. Um, Steve, why don't you take some of the questions sure. think, that, that came in, and we'll try to answer some of those yeah, as we Yeah, yeah, a really good question to start us off here. Um, this is a little bit, the, the person who wrote it kind of gives some context. It's more of a little bit of an application piece. So you mm-hmm. mentioned throughout your sermon a couple of times the cultural embrace, mm-hmm. the way in which um, the nation was really, I mean, it, the judges is so much about the canonization mm-hmm. of the people right. of God. And so they continue to embrace uh, these these foreign cultures, um, and the question was: Are there times, 
kind of like a counterpoint, kind of like a, mm, well, no. wait a second, are there times where we should embrace the culture? Or what does it mean to, to embrace mm-hmm. the culture with an evangelical or missional approach and mindset? So yeah. the example of um, attending maybe a party or a place that mm-hmm. a Christian wouldn't normally go to, mm-hmm. um, but but going there to reach and connect with people that otherwise mm-hmm. they would never interact mm-hmm. with. Mm-hmm. Um, so a little bit of a how do we how are we both uh, in the world but not of the world? I think right. is what this is yeah. getting to, yeah. and that's a that's a good question for for how we do this. So how how in light of what we see in judges, where do we see the people doing that? well if at all mm-hmm. where do they we see them just not doing it well and that's mm-hmm. maybe even more obvious but then for us in in our current day how do we hold those things right. in tandem yeah no that was a really good question I, and i think you know we, we definitely want there to be clarity on this i think some of it is a little um i think it could be a little case to case but um overall i would say that um there's a difference between uh being uh, in the world, kind of present in culture uh, and helping shift and change culture, you must be present in that. And then the full embrace of a cultural ethic uh, or idea. And and that's really what the difference was here um, and throughout Judges is, is they didn't, they didn't just, um, they didn't just live and kind of like adapt with the times, right? They, they, uh, they weren't trying, and God's call was not for them necessarily, even kind of in central Pennsylvania, to be like the Mennonites and the Amish, where like anything modern, anything contemporary is is not something we're going to embrace. We're going to kind of stick to the old ways. Um, but they, you know, they they embraced what the the importance was for the culture around them, the gods, um, some of the economic aspects of that that were involved. Um, and really, like when it comes down to idol worship, their dependency um, was not on God, but it was on what the culture was saying was like, hey, if you want good crops, you need to sacrifice to this God. If you want to have uh, more children, you need to sacrifice to this God. If you want this, you need to go sleep with the, the, the temple prostitute of mm-hmm. this God. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was this embrace of not just like being present in amongst people, but it was, hey, we're going to take their culture, their priorities, their uh, what they have perceived is um, beneficial for them as as people, and we're gonna we're gonna take that in, and we're gonna accept that, mm-hmm. and we're not just gonna accept it. We're gonna start practicing it as That's well. That's right. That's right. So uh, you know, when it comes to some of the the applications of like going to a party, right? Um, if you're if you're going to the party for the explicit purpose of participating fully in that, um, whether that's you know getting you know blackout drunk and and um, you know doing everything that uh, maybe the expectation of what party life is, that is a little bit of an embrace. If mm-hmm. you're going to a party with a missional mindset of getting to know people, um, preaching the gospel to them, creating relationships. And you are refraining from some of the the cultural expectations there. That's not the same thing. In, right. in the same ways that Jesus would eat with you know tax collectors and prostitutes, he got a bad reputation from that from from the from the Pharisees of going, hey, you you eat and you you mingle and you have conversations with these sinners. Therefore, you must be a sinner. 
when in fact we know that Jesus did not sin. Mm-hmm. And so his participation with people was not an embrace of their culture, but was an embrace of them as individuals. That's right. So there's a huge, I think there's a big difference there. Yeah, you said the word. You said the word practice before, like how you practice them. That, that reminded me of First uh, John three. I think it's chapter mm-hmm. three in First John. You know, he who makes a practice of sin is of the devil. Mm-hmm. You know, he who practices righteousness is is righteous. Mm-hmm. If you practice sin, you're of the devil. And so we see we see in Judges the people of Israel, um, they're making a practice of sin. Right. Um, you know, so um, it's not to say that there were none righteous. Mm-hmm. Uh, that recognized what was, you know, the shipwreck as it was happening mm-hmm. or has been happening for generations now. Right. We we're seeing yep. this in the in in the book, um, but they are making a practice of this mm-hmm. sin. And so maybe maybe the, the caution to, John, you've said this, the caution to any one of us that would think, well, how are we missional to those that are sinning? Well, don't make a practice of their sin. Right. Um, what you're doing, the way that you are righteous before them and reaching out to them and evangelizing to them or being missional with them, it's it's going to stand out. It mm-hmm. should actually stand out in the in wherever you are, whether it's a party or a group right. of people or a place that you go to. And mm-hmm. over time, uh, we don't want that place to corrupt you. Right. right? We don't want to be corrupted by yeah. by the world in that regard. Yeah. And even you know to kind of go along the lines of what you're saying, First John, um, the way to be present in um, a culture and in and amongst people without embracing and participating and practicing what they're practicing is is an abiding in Christ and a dependency on Christ um, which takes it takes community it takes a real it takes real gospel community to keep us grounded and uh, and I think that's that's so important in in keeping us from that that potential cultural embrace right um, we, we do become like the people that we surround ourselves with. That's right. Um, in many ways. Yeah. Um, that's, that's not a, it's not an absolute statement, um, but it, uh, at least from an experience standpoint, what I've seen and experienced in my own life, I think that's, uh, it's true. Yeah. It's true. Well, we see, in, we see then this, this builds on itself. And even the next question, this person mm-hmm. actually submitted two questions and their next question flows out of this, mm-hmm. um, even as the narrative flows. So we see uh, God... Not for the first time, um, mm-hmm. actually, uh, for the umpteenth time at this point, yeah. uh, to the point that silence is now going to uh, result, um, becoming impatient with, with the misery of the people mm-hmm. and the sinning of the people, and the idolatry mm-hmm. of the people. But the question focuses on, in Judges ten sixteen, 16, uh, he, the Lord, became impatient over the, miser- the misery of Israel. Mm. Um, and so... Um, the question really is, am I correct, this person says, am I correct in saying that the sentence, he grew tired of their sin, is an accurate portrayal of God's word? So really, like mm-hmm. maybe, John, speak a little bit. You spoke about this in your yeah. sermon, but a little bit more on what, did, what does it mean that God became impatient with the misery, with yeah. the misery of Israel? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a really good question. Um, like the In the Hebrew, the word for like impatient is like shortened, like became short with. Uh, and so I kind of I kind of correlated that with uh, he became tired of of Israel's sinning and also their current condition, like the misery of Israel. Um, and, and I think the the question kind of alluded to this, Steve, is like, is it an impatience in a compassionate way or an impatience in an anger way? Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say yes, like mm-hmm. both mm-hmm. and. 
Um, he was, um, as a covenant-keeping God, um, he became impatient in seeing his, his, his covenant people shipwreck their lives, uh, continue to go back and worship other gods and serve other gods and, and forsake the Lord. Uh, forsaking him as as the the covenant keeper as the the bridegroom mm-hmm. um, he became impatient in seeing and tired of seeing his people do that additionally um, he is a jealous God we know this about God and his act and, and, and how he sees his people and so there was a righteous anger a um, uh, an indignation of like how God would respond to uh, his people uh, that requires him both in his jealousy of being the one who is truly worthy of worship to be angry at their activity, but also the one who is um, desirous of what is true and right worship of him. Mm-hmm. Like he he deserves that worship. That is his worship. And it is being, it is being to use the term that we see in Judges, it's being whored out to other gods. Right. Um, and so uh, he was angry, but he was also compassionate towards his people. That's right. Yeah, I think his anger, he sees them for who they are. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, the, the question, their plea to him is, is twice over. Mm-hmm. You know? um, and the first one um, in verse 10 uh, what was it, first 10, or is it, or is it earlier than that? Where it was 10. 10, yeah. right? Okay, we, we, yep, 10. We sinned against you, so you're forsaken our God and, have, and served the Baals. And um, God just, he refuses that. Um, mm-hmm. And they say then again in verse 15 then, mm-hmm. um, we have sinned. Do to us whatever seems good to you. So they're, they're trying to appease God's anger in that regard. They, yeah. you know, he calls their bluff for the first time. Right. They're not even um, forthright enough to really ask that God's judgment would come, not believe that it would come. They're only looking for they're only looking for deliverance. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and the second time, they still they, they they change their words a little bit, mm-hmm. but they ultimately want deliverance. Yeah. And and I think God uh, is is impatient at that. He's grieving over that. He's weary of that. Mm-hmm. And yet also seeks to deliver them, wants yeah. to deliver them, truly right. has a love for them. But um, maybe any one of us who would see the second time them go, yeah, they're saying do whatever seems good to you. It seems like they're being a little bit more honest in that time, but God still sees their heart. Right. right? The, the outward appearance that we would see is like, oh, this seems like they're they're learning, but God knows their heart. They're not. Right. Um, they're not learning. And spoiler alert, we'll see that they haven't learned moving forward for a while yet. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I mean, spoiler alert for, for all of humanity in that regard, <laughs> even, even to the current day. So, um, yeah, John, I think that's, I think that's well explained. It is, um, I think it's helpful and humbling for us to, to wrestle with and to sit in recognizing that God is furiously angry at our sin and yet also mm-hmm. um, grieving over our sin. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not, God is not just a, Either wrathful or completely forgiving. There's right. like there's there's like God is yeah. more more uh, more complex than we oftentimes Absolutely. in our functional thought and yeah. living yeah. Uh, give him credit in being. Yeah, no, it's true. I mean, it, allowing God to both be loving and angry mm-hmm. um, 
you know, if there was if there was ever a situation where like, you know, our children disobeyed, right? I always go back to this. I ever since having children, my understanding of like the the love of God and like how God speaks as a father to us has just is is bloomed. I don't mm-hmm. I didn't get it. I just didn't get it. Um and so like how I can love my children furiously, right? And still be angry with how they act or the things that they do that I know is just mm-hmm. ultimately not right and good for them. Right. Um does not change my love for them. Um makes me really angry that they would, you know, throw a sharp yeah. object at their brother's eyeball, right? Yeah. So yeah, uh, let's recognize that we're not we're not God. Our, our, like I I know as well as you do, John. And we would we would implore others to know this too. Like our anger is not perfect. So right. like I can I can be right. I can be angry uh, and righteously so for mm-hmm. the behavior of my children. And I can also very quickly become angry in a way that's not righteous. It's it's anger that's taking offense. I've never is it just seen, me? I've never seen that in you, Steve. Oh, no? You know, no. It's just me. Oh, it's just me. Well, that's, yeah. Uh, it happens um, okay. frequently. So it's, yeah, like I, I'm, I'm offended, right? I, I become offended right. and ashamed or um, just just impatient with well, my you, children. You feel wronged. Yes. Yeah, yeah I feel wronged. Yeah. I take up the yeah. offense, and so my anger is not always righteous. And that's where uh, maybe, maybe like, Quick tangent side note, like we as parents need to demonstrate to our children um, why we become angry, teach them that, and teach them mm-hmm. uh, with humility um, in the way that we ask for their forgiveness at times for the way that we're, mm-hmm. we're angry against them. Yeah. Um, and that ultimately we teach them that every offense that any one of us would have is directed toward God and not mm-hmm. toward each other. Yeah. So even as we grow in love for each other and bearing burdens with each other and mm-hmm. even learn to forgive one another, ultimately our offenses are against God. Yeah. Um, and our children need to see that. Yeah. So, yeah. hey, here's another question for you, John. Um, yeah. Verse 7, it mentions, this is the mm-hmm. text that is, uh, that God sold them into the hands of the Philistines. Yeah. Uh, and this seems, so there's a different questioner. Um this seems more active than lifting his hand of protection mm-hmm. and it infers a transaction. So the question mm-hmm. is, is meaning that God didn't just remove himself. It seems he didn't just remove himself mm-hmm. and therefore the Philistines ran in and were able to conquer right. uh, God's people, but rather it seemed like God inflicted this. Mm-hmm. Um, is there meaning to that word? How can we understand more about that context and understanding? Yeah, no, that's good. Yeah, there, there's a there's a couple of passages here. Um, in seven, uh, and again in um, fourteen, uh, that are that are difficult passages to read. So God sold, selling them, sold them into the hands of the Philistines. In seven, and then uh, in fourteen, uh, sorry, yeah, fourteen says, and go cry out to the other gods whom you have chosen. Uh, and let them save you in the time of your distress. And so, like, there's there are these there there are hard passages to to wrestle with. Um, we the the selling them in is not something selling them over to or giving them over to is uh, is not a it's not a new thing that we've seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's happened a couple times throughout our uh, our our passage here uh, in. Uh, in three eight and in four two, uh, in Judges three eight and Judges four two, 
Um, and basically, this is a this is a giving over. Kind of the Hebrew in this would say like this is a this is a giving over to um, the Philistines. And so there is a uh, something that is the Lord's, right? He's handing it over to the Philistines. He is. Uh, it's not necessarily transactional, where like the Philistines then, you know, give God something, uh, but God is is giving them up to this. So in a way, he is uh, kind of what the questioner said, like removing his hand and letting them run to. And so we see that also in fourteen is like these are the this is the direction that you wanted to go. You you were you were so so uh, sold out to the idea that this is what was right and good. I'm going to, I'm going to hand you over. I'm going to give you over to this. I think it's very similar to what we see in Romans one, where, where um, God gives people over to the passions mm-hmm. of their flesh. Yeah, That's what's coming to mind for me in that yeah. regard. Yeah. And so um, not as much transactional, although the word sold does appear to be transactional, but it is a giving over. There is a, um, a transference, if you will, uh, of of God to to put Israel into the hands of the Philistines. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a good question. That's that, yeah, well explained. Though there's certainly that's an uncomfortable <laughs> that, that makes us uncomfortable. It does. Um, Absolutely, and let that wake us up. I think that uncomfortability, that uncomfortable uncomfortableness, should wake us up to that um, that God would do that. Um, that God. Uh, that we that we in our sin and in the world that we live in, there exists the capacity mm-hmm. for us to be given over to yeah. our desires and our sinful yeah. desires. God is not um, the rescue button or the what are those buttons that you hang around your neck. Uh, the life alert. The life alert. God life is not alert. the life help. alert. I've fallen and there I can't. There you go. Right. Up. So he help. I've sinned and I can't forgive myself. Like <laughs> God is not the the life alert button right. that we just wear. Whenever we need it, we push and the response comes. Right. Um, there are times where God says, "You're you you're choosing this." And I, I mentioned it earlier in, in, in our in our podcast a few minutes ago. He's soon becoming silent. Yeah. He's becoming silent right here. Right. Mm-hmm. And and the silence will continue. If you've read ahead, you'll. You, you, maybe you've noticed, like, there's some eerie silence coming mm-hmm. from God. Um, the silence is loud and so silent, right, mm-hmm. um, in that regard. And so um, that makes us uncomfortable, and it should. It should make mm-hmm. us uncomfortable um, that our sin can harden us against God so much mm-hmm. um, that he gives us over to it. Yeah. Um, and there's, there's judgment in that. But as you spoke about a few minutes ago, there's judgment in that. Mm-hmm. There's also great care in that. Mm-hmm. There's a great grieving in God's heart. His love is so much for his people mm-hmm. that he is going to reconcile this. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the chapter, chapter 10 ends. You ended this week um, with, with the men um, looking for a rescuer. Right, mm-hmm. and and there's you, you talked about Christ ultimately as our our rescuer moving forward, and there's mm-hmm. there's more in Judges that we're going to learn from that too. So maybe a spoiler spoiler alert if you've read ahead, but also a hey a, a promotion. Keep yeah. stay with us. Stay with us. There's more coming. More coming. Man, it it, it has been a a, a really great. I, I, I've been so I think I said this on Sunday. I've been so surprised by what God is continuing to teach me through the Book of Judges. Things that. Yeah, just haven't sat in before. Yeah. You know, Judges was not a book that we read a lot as uh, as kids growing up, um, and so 
John, I got one more question. Can we throw yeah. one more in? Is that all right? Yeah, we've got. We, I think we've got time for one more. Okay. So, uh, second question from this person. So, our four questions today from these two questionnaires. Love it. Um, in their cultural setting, so back in, in, in the time of the judges and the deliverers, mm-hmm. uh, what was the appeal for worshiping these other gods? Yeah. Um, kind, of, kind of like a, picking up a little bit like a, like a defense for the people, not defending the people, but kind of like, what was going on here? How, how, right. how foolish are these, these people? Like, did doing so open them up to trade, to marriage, to normalized relations with those around them? Mm-hmm. That's, that's the, the question here. So just trying to understand the motivation within the hearts that would cause yeah. them to worship just about anything. Right. Yeah. That's just, and I read that quite verbatim. Just about yeah. anything. That's the just question. About, just Good about question. anything. Well yeah. worded. Uh, I mean, the other gods are just really shiny. Um, and so like a like a good squirrel gets attracted to something shiny. There you go. That's what it was. Just chasing shiny That's stuff. Just chasing shiny stuff. Fool's shiny. gold. Fool's gold. Oh, Fool's so gold. good. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, No, it was like the, uh, you know, these gods were not like the Hello Kitties where like an entire like demographic of people just really love this thing it was it was very much um economic there was an economic piece to this that made a lot of cultural sense for israel to embrace Uh, the more you study into the idol worship of the day every idol is connected in some way to um fertility Mm -hmm. to um uh, crops. Yep. Uh, it's um, it's it's not necessarily like, hey, you're gonna, you know, you'll be more popular. You know, it's not it's not this idol of like popularity, but in a way, um, idol worship was so cultural that uh, to be a part of a culture and to be a part of people who are trading, and we have to understand where Israel is located geographically. Um, the trade routes from the east uh, and from um, kind of the northern part, uh, you know, not really necessarily Europe, but like the north of Israel, everything came through this region to get to Egypt. Egypt still a massive uh, and incredible powerhouse back in that time of trade and economics. Um, how little we forget or even can see like how big Africa is and all of the um, all of the economic needs and and Egypt was this hub of commerce and so a lot of the a lot of the the trade would go through Israel and so all of these all of these people um, surrounding nations had gods that they relied on and trusted to provide for them. And it also kind of became somewhat of a, um, an economic, uh, transaction where like, Hey, you worship, you worship the bales. I worship the bales. Let's do business. Um, you know, so you had these common things that people could relate to. And so there wasn't, there was an economic piece mm-hmm. to this. Mm-hmm. There was a, there could have been a marriage piece to this. All of it kind of relates around prosperity. And so, you know, even one of the questions I was asking myself, as we're, I was prepping this week, is like how does how does the economic impact um, change my view or change Israel's view on what is true and right? Like, how easily are we turned to um, 
what is popular in culture, what is normative in culture because of the, the economic benefit. And so uh, we see that throughout the judges and in the Old Testament, all of these things, all of this idol worship is somehow connected to a, a cultural embrace, mm-hmm. a cultural expectation, a normative cultural experience, and also economic. Mm-hmm. Um, do you trust Ashtaroth to provide for you from a fertility standpoint? Do right. you trust the bales to may bless your crops so that they could grow, so that you could sell both A, to have enough for your family, and two, to, to buy and sell what you need? Right. Um, yeah, I think that's uh, it, it has to be part of our understanding. It wasn't just the fact that this was this was something that they found attractive. Right. Right. There wasn't just a hey, this is a shiny god, sounds good, let's go do that. There there was normal economic living um, circumstance yeah. circumstances that were all tied into this idol worship. Yeah, I think the pressures. I think the pressures of that are a real factor. Yes. Um, but I, and I'll also say though, um, the, the, maybe maybe a, the question is, did they need that? They probably didn't need those pressures, but those pressures intensified the default for the human heart. I, I, right. I would say so. The default for the human heart is not faithfulness. No. The default for the human heart is idolatry. Right. And. You know, when Matt a couple weeks ago preached on Gideon and the second half of Gideon, when he mm-hmm. takes um, all, all of the gold, you know, from the people and mm-hmm. melts it down and builds the ephod and puts it in his, yeah. in his town, that harkens back to the golden calf. Yeah. And you picture, you know, the, the, the people um, at, at the base of the mountain making a golden calf, less pressures mm-hmm. by outside nations in that moment. And yet, what is that the people wanted? They wanted something that they could see. Yeah. And they want something that they could they could actually bow down to down to and in the heart of man mm-hmm. is this desire to I think manipulate the gods that they serve. Yeah. Um and to feel like they are they can control and and actually be controlled right. by an actual tangible power. Mm-hmm. Um uh, uh, you know and that's that's their god, lowercase g god. And so mm-hmm. um the people here like again, doing what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and fast forward way to the end. Are there twenty one chapters, twenty four chapters in mm-hmm. Judges? Twenty one, twenty four, and twenty four. At the end of twenty four, <laughs> I'm looking. All right, looking, John's going to call me out. I don't know if it's twenty one or twenty four. I think it's twenty four. Um, you know, at the end, what do we, what do we see that all the people are doing what's right in their own eyes? Right. That that's how the that's how the book of Judges is going to end, and so twenty one, twenty one. All right, twenty one. Right. All right, I was 50, I was fifty fifty on that. So um, yeah, so like, what's the default? The default mm-hmm. is idolatry, and yeah. and that yeah. that's what's yeah. happening is idolatry. And yet, in this cultural context, the pressures made the it, like it fans the flames mm-hmm. of, of idolatry. Because now the people wrongfully and sinfully so have a pragmatic. Mm-hmm. More pragmatic and functional reason, yeah. both those things to to serve um, these other gods, yeah. and it's their, it's it's to their destruction. Yeah, I mean, Calvin, John Calvin said that the human heart is an idol factory. You know, our hearts become factories of idols right. when we fashion and refashion God to fit our needs and desires. And so, like this, um, this is this is present then, 
in judges, uh, it is present now. Like, right. how much do we, and, and Steve, you said this really well, like, how much do we want to um, try to manipulate God? Capital G, God. That's right. Right? How That's much right. are we trying to manipulate God with um, what we do, our own perception of how faithful we are? Um, how many times have we said, God, I did this. Why haven't you done sure. that? You know, I mean, I, you know, I, we had a long weekend, Steve. Um, we did a lot of great things for the Lord this weekend. And yet last night my Rays lost. God, what's they up did. with that? Why <laughs> would you allow my sports team to lose a very important game when I have been so faithful? In a way, that's yeah. not helpful for anybody on this podcast. No. The way you won the game on Saturday, you sh- you were owed a loss. We were owed a loss. Okay. <laughs> so. no, no, but I mean, like, just to use that as yeah, as, as an example of how how fickle we are and yeah. how much we think we can control or manipulate the God of the universe. Yeah. Um, it's, it's comical. It is. And, and we see, we see periods of peace in judges mm-hmm. and if we're not, you know, I think John, maybe you preached, this was your second time preaching in judges. Is that right? Yeah. Right. So the first time you preached, it was, anyway, it was the third week we were doing judges, I think. And you had pointed out that the length of time that had passed, mm-hmm. I think it was like 146 years mm-hmm. at that point when you preached the first time. Yeah. And now this is a couple weeks later. This is These are generations yeah. passing. And so how fickle are we in our single generation that we live in, mm-hmm. in a current moment to go like week to week thinking like, well, wait a second, I've been faithful for the last week. Yeah. And we start in our mind, <laughs> bargain with God. What 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 goodness yeah. should come and blessings should come and that's yeah. um, that that's, it wasn't, it that's, wasn't even a week it was it was a twenty yeah you had a twenty four hour thing we and we all do right so this yeah. is indicative yeah. this this should wake that's us up right. to yeah. how our hearts right. lead us astray and into yeah. sin and we need to we need to trust God in those moments right. and repent of that because if not what happens what happens is the destruction that we we see here yeah yeah, yeah. hey uh, Steve thanks for joining us today groups as you consider these things. Uh, one way that you can challenge each other this week during Bible studies is um, who do you have in your life that knows you and can call you out on your sin? I think that's an uh, important thing that we uh, were able to perceive from uh, the scriptures uh, and uh, I think is, is something important for us to pursue as, as God's people uh, living, uh, trying to live faithfully. Uh, in accordance to what his word has for us. And so who do you have in your life who knows you and can call you out on your sin? Might be a good way for us to kind of even wrap up our time together. Steve, grateful for you. Hey, thanks for having me in. uh, Yeah, we will talk with you guys later. Have a great week.